hard to do April 1st and not start with Psalms 14.1. The Bible says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That's a pretty pointed verse right there. In the day and time that we live in, it's probably not a real politically correct verse. It doesn't make you feel all touchy-feely. It doesn't make you feel all good. It doesn't make everybody happy. But the Bible says the fool, and the fool, that's a strong word. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I don't know about you, but I find it very funny today that Easter falls on April Fool's Day. National Atheist Day, on the same day that we celebrate the fact that our Lord and Savior conquered death and rose from the grave. Kind of an interesting opposite ends of the spectrum there. And as millions and millions of other Jesus followers and hundreds of thousands of churches all over the world gather today to celebrate the greatest event in the history of our world, I mean, think about it. Three days after he dies, Jesus, who not even those who call themselves atheists will deny he existed, conquered death, rose from the grave. The tomb was empty. Christ was not there. Our Savior was alive again. That's good news. We gather weekly to celebrate that event. It's why we do what we do around here. But like I said, today's the day that our world, hard, those of us who call ourselves believers, set our, the day aside to celebrate that. And again, I thought all week about the extremes of today. April Fool's Day, the day that we celebrate Christ. Many people actually will tell you that the resurrection of Christ was the biggest hoax, the biggest April Fool's Day of all time. They love to talk about how it's impossible that it happened. They love to explain away that it happened. And as a person who's given their life to spreading the news that it did happen, it's a very important discussion to have. Because everything that we do on Sunday mornings and everything that I've given my life to and everything that we believe hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No resurrection, no Christianity. No resurrection, no faith. No resurrection, no belief. And we live in a day and time where people don't want to talk about the exclusivity of the resurrection. We live in a day and time where nobody wants to talk about the importance of the resurrection because we live in a day and time where everybody believes all roads lead to God. We live in a very spiritual society, but a very pluralistic society when it comes to beliefs. We live in the day and time, and I don't think that this is any secret, and I'm not making any political statement here, but we live in the day and time of tolerance. <laughs> Even if we believe something and somebody else believes something else, we believe we're both right. Problem with that is, is that things that are different are not the same. See, we live in a day and time where we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, so we just say everybody's right and everybody's path is their path and everybody's journey is their journey and it's all good. We live in the day and time where we believe that all roads lead to God as long as you're sincere in your beliefs because at the end of the day aren't all world religions the same anyway? The resurrection is different. If the resurrection truly happened and Jesus is who he says he is, then there's one way and one way only to heaven. That doesn't mean that other religions are full of bad people. It doesn't mean that they're evil people. But things that are different are not the same. When I was in Bible college, I worked at a production plant for Motorola. Remember back in the day when Motorola was the stuff? That was like when cell phones first came out and you had those big honking cell phones and Motorola had come out with a thing called the Flip 
and it was the first small phone, and they opened up a plant in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and my badge number was 32. I was the 32nd person they ever hired. I was driving by, saw this big line of people. I just graduated high school. I was like, I need that job. Sounds cool. And all day long, I sat in a seat, and a base would roll down with the plate on it, and I'd take a screw gun, and I'd screw in four screws. Day after day, after day, after day. They had this thing that every five days you would get tired of doing the same job, so you had a backup job you would do. As they scanned my skill set, they found out that my backup job would be very good to be at the end of the production line and fold cardboard boxes. So five days of screwing in four screws, one day of folding cardboard boxes. as the man. When you sit on a production line for 8 to 10 hours a day, next to the same person every single day, you have a lot of discussions. I was in Bible college at the time, and I sat next to some different people, and we always would have very deep discussions. And I sat next to a lady who believed in reincarnation. She was hell-bent on reincarnation. It was her belief that whatever you loved in this life was an example of what you used to be in your previous life. So this lady loved trees. And she loved France. And she believed that in her previous life she was a tree in France. And she would want to have deep discussions. And I would tell her I didn't believe in reincarnation, that we were made in the image of God, that God... Fearfully and wonderfully. Because back then, boy, I was just like, I was gung-ho. You know, I was like, let me shove Jesus down your throat. Like any good Bible college student. And uh, I'd argue with her all the time. And the guy next to me, he would joke. He said, well, I love women. Guess I was a woman in my previous life. And uh, she would always ask me, Gary, what do you love? What do you love? Because that's what you used to be. And I finally said, so you used to be a tree in France. Yeah. I said, well, I love France, too. And I love dogs. I think I was a dog in France who used to pee on you, the tree, all the time. She was not amused at all. She would get mad at me as we would have discussions, and she would always say at the end of the day, she would start to get mad. And she was this very hippie lady, and she was awesome. She was a sweet, sweet lady. And she'd say, you know what? We're all getting upset. At the end of the day... We're all on our journey, and we're all going to end up in the same place. I thought to myself, where does that work anywhere? Like, if I head north, and you head west, and you head east, and you head south, and I go up 75, and some of you go up 85, and we just keep going, we're never going to end up in the same place. But when it comes to the subject of heaven, we have this mindset that all roads lead to God. I recently saw somebody on Facebook talking about getting accepted into a different religion. I know a lot about this religion. I'm not saying it's a bad religion. I'm not saying that they're even wrong in everything in their religion. But their beliefs vary greatly from the beliefs of Christianity. Yet I watched people who were Christ followers in the comments congratulating them and telling them how great they were and how proud they were. And I thought to myself, but things that are different are not the same. But we think that all roads lead to God. All different beliefs lead to heaven. And the afterlife is one of those things that anytime someone dies, for whatever reason, we think a lot about it. We tend to think that when someone dies, our mind end immediately goes to where they're at. We always say something, no matter what our beliefs are anymore. No matter what we believe, we're always kind of in the mindset, you know, Thankfully, they're in a better place. Man, they're, they're not in pain anymore. Grandma's up in heaven watching over us. And we give everybody these feel-good phrases. Grandma's just watching over us. I've got to be honest with you. There's a lot of times I don't want Grandma watching over me. There's some things Grandma don't need to see. Like, my grandmother in real life just got on Facebook. 
And she doesn't know how to do Facebook, but she knows how to respond to stories. And so she lectures me through my stories all the time. It comes to my private message, and she's like, you don't be saying that. Don't be yelling at those kids. I'm like, I didn't even say anything about the kids, you know. It's like Granny gets an insight into everything I do now. We love to do something. It just makes us feel better. (laughs) All roads lead to God. All roads lead to heaven. As long as you're on your journey, that's all that matters. And what's interesting to me in our world today is we have a world that is very open to spiritual things. People love to talk about spiritual things. (laughs) Whether it be a generic God or a higher being or spirituality, the only time that it seems like spirituality gets controversial is when the name Jesus is mentioned. Have you ever noticed that? The minute you throw Jesus into the mix, things get real controversial. And what's funny is, is people, matter of fact, everybody, history proves there's nobody, even an atheist, even if they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, nobody believes that Jesus Christ didn't exist. History proves that he existed. There was a man who walked this earth, and his name was Jesus. He was crucified at 33 years of age because he had declared himself the Son of God. History books, whether Christianity history books or whatever, will tell you that that happened. The different paths start after that death. There's some who believe he died and that was the end of it. And then there's those of us who believe he went to the grave, conquered death and hell. On the third day, he rose from the grave. And then here's the interesting thing. They won't deny that Jesus existed. And you'll very rarely find someone who dislikes the teaching of Jesus. Again, even if they're not a Christian. I mean, how could you not dig the teachings of Jesus? Love the outcast. Forgive those that hurt you. Overlook those that have wronged you. Be generous. Meet people's needs. Teach them how to live a better life. People in general love the teachings of Jesus. But there's one phrase from Jesus that throws everybody off. It's the claim that Jesus made. Because we live in a day and time where we think all roads lead to heaven. I'm on this journey, and they're on that journey, and they're on that journey. And at the end of the day, as long as we're good people, with good hearts, with good intentions, we're all going to go to a good place. The problem is Jesus says this in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, he said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I'm one of many ways. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I am a truth. I hear people say, well, that, that, that's your truth. No, no, there's one truth, and that's the truth. I always tell people when they come to me, they, they're going through marital problems or couples problems. There's not two sides to the story. There's three sides to the story. There's his side of the story. There's her side of the story. Then there's the truth of the story. Well, that's his truth. No, it's not, not his truth. You know, it might be his reality, but his reality could be wrong. Because perception is reality even if it's not the truth. There's one truth. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And then he makes an exclusive claim right here. He says, no one. Guess what that word no one means in the original language? No one. Ain't it amazing? Thought it was going to be something complicated. It means no one. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The resurrection is what sets Christianity apart from other religions. First of all, Christianity is not a religion. It's all about a relationship. But things that are different are not the same. 
in this very inclusive world, Jesus makes an exclusive claim. All roads lead to God, and Jesus says, no, they don't. I am the only way. It's a one-way street. And that blows our mind, even in the church world, because here's what happens with us in our beliefs. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe we put our faith in Jesus, and we believe that's where we're going to spend eternity. But we just believe that's just right for us. But things that are different are not the same. I know that it sucks in the wussification of America, but somebody has to win, somebody has to lose. Somebody has to be right, and somebody has to be wrong. We can't all be right. If we go outside and one of us says the sky's blue, and one says it's red, and one says it's purple, and one says it's green, one of us are right and the others are wrong. That's just the way it is. And the resurrection sets apart Jesus. I mean, think about the different world religions for a minute. Just real quickly, I want to just kind of give you a quick overview. Think about Buddhism, for example. Now, and let me say this before I say this. There's a lot of good characteristics in almost every religion. Okay? So if you're Buddhist today, I don't want you leaving here all offended. But we believe Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. We don't apologize for that. Buddhists believe there is no God. No type of final existence. But ain't it funny? We believe all roads lead to God. A Buddhist doesn't because they don't believe there's any final existence. A Buddhist is going to believe in countless rebirths, and eventually you hope you live a good enough life that you end that cycle. Now, contrast Buddhism with Hinduism. A Hindu is going to believe there is a God, a very impersonal God, where we believe there's a God, his name is Jesus. They believe an impersonal God. And we approach that God, generic term, through deities or statues or idols. So very different. Buddhists believe there is no God and there's no final existence. A Hindu believes there's a God, generic term, and we approach him through all different things. For some people, their God may be this fan. My God speaks to me through that fan. The way it blows through my hair and ministers to me and gives me chill bumps, that fan is my God. Some people believe this guitar is their God, and whatever. When you're a Hindu, man, it's real convenient. You know? It's real convenient. So think about it. Now, here's some similarities in Buddhism and Hinduism. They offer no forgiveness of sins. God is an impersonal God for the Hindus. There is no God for the Hindus, so there is no supernatural help. Only karma. They believe in karma. So you cut somebody off in traffic, someone else is going to cut you off in traffic, which is probably why my wife always gets cut off in traffic because she's always cutting people off in traffic. So My wife is a lamb now, but you know, her maiden name is a cope. How many of you have ever spoken to a cope on the phone, whether it's my father-in-law, Rick, or my wife, Christine? Anybody, you raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. How many of you have ever talked to either anybody that has a cope related to their name more than 60 seconds on the phone while they're driving? <laughs> then you know what I'm talking about. Because you can be on the phone with them for 60 seconds, 15 seconds of it's talking to you, 45 seconds of it screaming at the people in the other cars how they're idiots and they're stupid. And there it is. I believe if we were Hindu or Buddhist, it would be because they cut so many people off. Because I've ridden with my wife once. Once. But she yells at me the other day, I'm driving down the interstate going 45 miles an hour, so it's not like I'm much better. We're the opposite ends, though, you know. So they believe in karma. You, whatever you do is going to happen back to you. They, did, they believe different. Now, now think about Muslim, for example. A Muslim is going to believe and worship a personal God. They have a name for their God, Allah. He has no secondary gods. There's a total ban on idols, so they're not worshiping this fan, they're worshiping Allah. And your standing with God, if you're a Muslim, is based on your religious good works. If your good works outdo your bad works, you get to go to heaven and get a bunch of virgins. Now think about the New Age movement. There is no God, we're all our own God. The cosmos and the universe coincide and everything happens because it's written in the stars. Now, contrast that with someone who's a Christ follower. We believe in a personal God. We believe he loves his people so much that he became like them in the person of Jesus. He lived without sin. He died for the sins of the world on the cross. 
and he rose again from the grave to pay the penalty for our sin because he loved us so much that we could have eternal life. Now, I just gave you five different religions, and I didn't say which one I think is right, but here's what I did say. Of those five, they're all different. Things that are different are not the same. So they can't all be right. So while we can acknowledge there may be some good and positive things in different world religions, there's absolutely and completely not the same. Is that fair enough to say? Good in all of them. Good people in all of them. I, I know we live in a day and time where we think all Muslims are bad. One of the nicest human beings in the world I know is a devout Muslim. Good man. Good man. But things that are different are not the same. So what I want to do today is I simply want to ask you to consider something. I simply want to ask you to consider Jesus today. Let me tell you what I did not ask you to consider today. I did not ask you to consider the church today. The church in general is crappy. It's full of judgmental people, hypocritical people, people who are going through the motions and faking it on Sunday mornings. The average church is more interested in traditions and how much money is coming in and how many people are sitting in the seats. So I did not ask you to consider the church today. Do not mistake the church and Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to consider Christians today. Because a lot of people call themselves Christians. And you'll go out and meet a Christian who's amazing and loves Jesus and does the things of God. Then you'll go out and meet one that has real bad hair. Stubs his nose at you in every which way. And is just flat out loony. I always say there's a reason people are Christ followers. Either they've met a Christian or they've met a Christian. You know. I'm not going to ask you to consider me today. Because I will let you down. I will screw you over. I will hurt your feelings. I will do you wrong. I don't want to. I wish I could say I never would. But I will. So I'm not asking you today to consider the church. I'm not asking you to consider Christians. I'm not even asking you to consider the pastor today. I, I just want you to consider Jesus. Because things that are different are not the same. And I believe so strongly in this that I've given my life to it. I believe according to this book that when you take your last breath on this earth, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment you die here, you will stand before God and you will spend eternity in one of two places, heaven. And because we believe there's a heaven, we believe there's a hell. And we live in a day and time where we believe all roads lead to heaven. But Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Not every way is, not everybody's the truth, not everybody's life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm not even telling you my beliefs are right today. I'm just going to ask you to consider Jesus. Because you've got to consider something. Because, again, there's no one in their right mind who would say all roads lead to the same place. It just doesn't logically make sense. So what's going to get your faith today and what's going to get your trust today? Well, for me, I've decided it's Jesus. But I don't think in my life I pulled that out of thin air. I used some logic to it. Jesus made the claim, I am the way, the truth, the life. He made the claim that the only way to God is through him. He said, our works don't get us to heaven. Our wealth doesn't get us to heaven. Our good deeds don't get us to heaven. Our church attendance doesn't get us to heaven. Our church membership, especially if you're part of Action Church, doesn't get you to heaven. It's not other religions. He said the only way is through him. People will tell you that Jesus lived. People will tell you that his teachings were amazing and that his deeds were awesome. Even those who don't believe he's the son of God don't talk bad about the person of Jesus. But here's the reality. He made this claim, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's what that means. If Jesus made that claim, there's one of three things that he must be. I've said this before, but there's one of three things that he must be. First thing is he can be a liar. This good man who did good things, who people believe existed, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. So the first option is he is a bold-faced liar. Kind of makes me uncomfortable even say that, i got to be honest with you. But that's an option. Because if all roads lead to God, then Jesus was a liar. Or he could be a lunatic. Action Church, we're very used to lunatics around here. I chased a guy through the loft apartments one time, butt naked, who was claiming he was God. I watched him literally, if I'm lying, I'm dying, strung out on spice, run. Anybody know where the loft apartments are? Anybody know the huge iron gate at the lofts? I watched this man run, butt naked, leap, grab the top of the gate, leap over it, butt naked, run across the street at that time. I think it was, I don't know if it was Freedom Motorsports, it was some other motors, uh, Cycle Nation. Punch through the window at Cycle Nation. I watched cops jump on him and tase him five times before they got him to the ground. And the whole time he was claiming he was God. And about by the fourth tase, I was like, maybe he is. <laughs> they dropped him on that fifth one, though. Thank God could have withstood five of them. Maybe Jesus was a lunatic. Maybe he was just flat out crazy. Because remember, he made the claim. We didn't make the claim. He said it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how much money you have, how well you dress on Sunday, or how many Bible verses you can claim, no one comes to the Father except through me. So he could be a liar. He could be a lunatic. Or you know what? He could be who he says he is, and he could be the Lord. There's really only three options he's a liar, he's a lunatic. He's the Lord. And here's my question for you today. What if he's who he says he is? And if he's who he says he is, then all roads do not lead to God. You can have a spiritual journey all day long. I've smoked some stuff in my life that took me on a spiritual journey. In the end, they didn't lead me to God. What if he is who he says he is? So today, I just want you to consider. Here's the other thing you need to know about me. At the end of the service, I am not going to put a hard sell on you. That's not how I roll. We're not going to do an altar call today. I'm not going to guilt you to come down and put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says we've got to work out our own salvation. That's your journey. I'd be glad to walk you through it, talk you through it. My wife would be glad to if you're a lady and feel more comfortable. James would be glad to. There's all kinds of people in this church that would be glad to walk you through those steps. But I just want you to consider Jesus. First thing I want you to consider today is just consider the ministry of Jesus. Just consider the ministry of Jesus. I'm not even telling you I'm right. I just want you to consider, because you're grown adults. You can make your own decisions. The church for so long has beat people over the head and said, this is what you've got to believe, and this is what you've got to believe, and if you don't believe this, you're wrong. I'm just asking you to use your intelligence. I know that some of you have not used that in years. <laughs> I see you on Facebook. I get it. But consider your intelligence. We see the person you're dating. We know that's hard for you. You're not using intelligence. <laughs> but just consider it. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Again, nobody will deny that Jesus lived. There's never been a historian who said Jesus was not a real person. 
Here's what the Bible says about him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, that's the religious people of the day. It will always be the religious people of the day who question the simplicity and, dare I say, the genius of Jesus. You know what they say a genius truly is? A genius is someone who can take something and make it simple. Anybody can make it complicated. So on April Fool's Day, Jesus was the greatest genius because he just made it simple. The Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners. It always makes me laugh, and I say this every time, but it's funny that they classified the sinners and the tax collectors separately. Like the tax collectors were a whole other level of sinner. Okay, if you work for the IRS, I'm sorry. I had a meeting this week with the IRS. I had to go get our alcohol license for an event I'm doing, and they called me into this room, and they're like, um, we don't have a report of your last event. Man, I was getting nervous. I thought literally, I'm like, are they going to let me text my wife? I don't even think I told her that. We got busy, so we got to tell her, are they fixing to take me to jail? Like, it was serious. It was like X-Files, man, a light shining. I was in there for like five minutes, and they're like, Bill was forming. I filled it out over like 70 bucks. I was like, man, y'all brought me here for 70 bucks? Here's the check. Let me write you four checks for 70 bucks. Get me out of here. I was stressing. If you don't mess with the IRS, people saw him meeting with the sinners and the testers. So they asked the disciples, and here's the other funny thing about him. They'll never go directly to the source. They go to the people that follow him. Hey, is that Gary a cult leader? You know what I heard about him? Who come to me all the time? They're like, man, I bet you heard that. I said, no, no one comes to me. They always go to y'all. They asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? But like Jesus, he was a pimp. He on hearing this. Jesus heard them asking about him because that's how they do it. They say it loud enough for you hear it. You know what I'm saying? But they ain't talking to you. They're passive aggressive. On hearing this, Jesus said to him, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I mean, I love this because this is the ministry of Jesus summed up in a nutshell. The Pharisees, they see Jesus. He's eating with tax collectors. You hang out with the, those that the religious rejected. Why does he eat with those type people? In other words, someone who's religious shouldn't be with those type of people. And Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. It's not those who got it together who need me, but those who don't have it together. Uh, listen, I love this. Jesus didn't come for those that have it together. Jesus came for people who needed help. Jesus came for people who were screwed up. Jesus came for people who were messed up. Guess who Jesus came for? Pat out me. He came for those that were not okay, those that were messed up, those that religion wanted nothing to do with. <laughs> Jesus loved those that everyone else despised. He welcomed those that people turned away. He did not come for those who were perfect. And if you're absolutely perfect today, keep on shining your halo. That's cool. I know Jesus came for me. When you grasp the fact that Jesus came for you and came for us, it's a game changer. Not only will you look at who he came from, but you look at the miracles that he performed. By the power of God, he, his ministry was to those that needed him. His ministry was not to help himself. He wasn't trying to get a new car or a new jet. He wasn't trying to build his kingdom. He was giving the sight to the blind and legs to those who couldn't walk. I know my Southern Baptist friends hate this, but he took water and he turned it into wine. Not grape juice. Wine. They drank it and said, man, you saved the best for last. He saw needs and he met those needs. And here's the funny thing about his miracles. Nowhere will you see those who don't believe Jesus is the Son of God denying that his miracles happened. Historians never deny that he performed all the miracles. They didn't deny the miracles. They just wanted him to stop the miracles. That's mind-boggling to me. They never try to refute the miracles. They just wanted the miracles to stop. By what power is he doing this? That's what they questioned. 
They didn't say he was a con artist. They didn't say he was a fake. They didn't say he was a showman. They didn't say he was a circus promoter. They just said, by what power is he doing this? We see him doing it. Yet he never took his ministry and his power for his own self. The Bible says the Son of Man had no place to lay his own head. He wasn't getting wealthy off his own self. He had to pay his taxes just like you and I. He had to go out of the fish. and Unlike him, he could just go to a fish and pop some out of his mouth. But he wasn't walking around with tons of money. He was always meeting the needs of others. <laughs> they just wanted him to stop. You know, uh, the ministry of Jesus, we're a miracle. We're here today because of what he did over 2,000 years ago. He loved us so much that he took the debt that we owed. He took the beating that we deserved because he knew imperfect people couldn't go to a perfect place and someone had to pay the price for our imperfection. And because of that, we're here today and we get to consider Jesus. If I ask for a story that I can have people show up, stand up all over this place and talk about the miracle that is your life since you met Jesus. You could talk about how he cleaned you up of your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, how he restored your marriage, how he brought your children back to you, how, how he helped you in a financial place, how when, when you were sick and thought you were doomed to die, God came along and he reached down. And he, we are miracle after miracle after miracle because of the ministry of Jesus. That's good preaching if a white boy is doing it. I get blown away sometimes when I think about what I was before I met Jesus. I was living for myself, living for the next good time. I was living in a two-bedroom duplex with seven other guys. There was eight of us in this nasty town home, partying nonstop, drugs nonstop, things that shouldn't have been happening nonstop. I went to church on a bet, and God radically changed my life. That was a miracle. What everyone else saw as a failure, God said, I got plans for that idiot. And I've screwed up and I've messed up and I stumble along the way. And he said, I still got plans for that idiot. And he's got plans for you because you are a miracle today of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Look at your own life. Consider the work of God in your life. Second thing I want you to consider today is not only the ministry of Jesus, I want you to consider the resurrection of Jesus. Because again, this is what sets Christianity apart from any other religion. I want you to consider the resurrection. And why does the resurrection matter? Because here's the deal. Jesus was miraculously conceived. He was born of a virgin. He did not inherit the sin nature of us. He lived his life completely without sin. He lived a perfect life for you and I, where he could be the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. On the cross, he became sin for us. He suffered horribly. <laughs> Creation was literally mocking the creator. They spit on him. They hurled insults at him. They beat him beyond recognition. And on the cross, he looked up and he cried out, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. We'll talk about this in two weeks. And who are we to hold a grudge? That's grace. That's love. And here's the deal. We're still at that point where no one denies it happened. He dies. He goes to the grave. He lifts up his voice. He says, it's finished. To your hands I commit my spirit. He breathes his last breath. He gives his life. The moment he did, history says the earth went dark. The ground trembled. The Roman centurion who was standing there, who was not a follower of Jesus, saw this. and said, I didn't believe, but I believe now. Surely this was no ordinary man. Surely this was the Son of God. And just as Jesus predicted, he went to the grave, and three days later, the tomb was empty. Three days later, the women went to the tomb where he was buried. The stone was rolled away, and he was not there. Peter, who had just denied Christ three times, three or four days before. <laughs> Do you know him? I don't know him. 
you're a follower of Jesus. I don't even know that dude. Some of you have done that with me before. You know? I don't know him. <laughs> Who? Never heard of him. Gary Lamb? Uh, I don't know him. I saw you hanging with him. Not me, I, I wouldn't. Jesus resurrects from the grave. And Peter is literally transformed. And look why he's transformed. He said, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. Look what he says. We are witnesses of this. You killed the author of life. God raised him from the dead. But he's not dead anymore. He's risen from the grave. We are are witnesses. Peter said, you know how I know that I know he's not dead? Because I've seen him with my own two eyes. I was denying him four days ago. But today, I saw him. We saw him. The disciples saw him. That's why these men were willing to give their lives for Jesus. <laughs> Days earlier, they were denying him. Days later, they were spreading the message of Jesus. Why? Because they saw Jesus resurrected from the grave. Now, here's the deal. Everybody has their theories. No, no, no. The Roman soldiers stole the body. Why? They were the, the Roman Empire didn't want people to believe that Jesus had risen from the grave. Why would they have stolen the body? That just fueled Christianity. They wanted them to know, hey, he's dead. Y'all said he was going to raise from the grave? Here's his body. So why, why would they steal his body? I don't understand that. Well, the disciples, the disciples stole his body. <laughs> so 11, because Judas had killed himself by this time, 11 average uneducated men devised the greatest scheme in history. They overpowered the Roman soldiers who were the highest trained individuals of the day. They stole the body. They hid the body. And here's the key. If you've ever been in a church... Then they were good enough to keep it quiet. <laughs> and not tell anybody they did it. Because you know what would happen. A few beers in. Hey, can I trust you with something? You can't tell anybody this. Anybody remember Wayne Williams, the Atlanta child murderer? I've been listening to this podcast, this 10-part podcast. It's crazy. And I don't, I, I, I'm a nerd, so I like this podcast. And they're talking about him, and, and there's this theory that he was falsely accused. And the reason they believe he was falsely accused is because this guy, who they believe did the killings, got drunk one night. Jeff, deer hunting. No telling what you'll hear down there. Sitting around the fire. and said, I trust you guys. Can I confess something to you? He went to all these details. 30 years later, but yet these men kept it quiet. They were the first ones in history never to tell anybody what they did. No. They overpowered the Roman soldiers and they just kept it quiet. There were witnesses of it. Did you know of the 11 remaining disciples? Ten of them were murdered for their belief in God. And saying that Jesus rose from the grave. So you're telling me that these ten people were willing to give their life for a lie? Or were they witnesses that Jesus had resurrected from the grave? John was the only one who didn't die from a murderer. He was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And he died stranded on an island by himself. My favorite in the story is Thomas. Thomas doubted. They said, man, you can say he's alive. I got to see him. and I got to see the holes in his hand. Jesus showed up. The Bible says Thomas stuck his hands in the holes and said, it is the Lord. Thomas was a witness of the resurrection. Thomas went on to India and began to spread the gospel. It was the first time the gospel was ever spread in India. Thomas the doubter started churches all over. When it came time for Thomas to die, they said, all you got to do is deny Jesus and we'll save your life. He said, I can't deny what I've seen. I've seen it with my own eyes. He's alive. <laughs> Man, just consider the resurrection. It makes no sense that it didn't happen because people saw it happen. 
There was no story behind it because the story would have got out. <laughs> the early church was born because of the resurrection. 3,000 people saved the first day. 2,000 years later, churches are still meeting all over the country, all over the world. Why? Because some people witnessed that Jesus was who he said he was and he was alive. Last and I'm done, I just want you to consider Jesus today. Not one of our flashy messages, but I, I want you to consider, I don't want you to leave here today without knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The other thing I want you to consider is the eternal message of Jesus Christ. Consider his message. He was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was the Lord. And he says, here's how you're made right with God. Romans 3.22, he says the righteousness is giving through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference between black or white. There's no difference between rich or poor. There's no difference between gay or straight. There's no difference between American or um, European, whatever you just want to say. He said we're all people and we're all made right through our belief. Our belief in what? That Jesus is the way truth and the life that no one comes to the father except through him he doesn't say you're made right by being good enough because here's the problem with being good enough nobody can tell me how good is good enough what is the formula for being good enough do I got to do 65% good deeds as opposed to 35% bad deeds I had to calculate that in my head for a minute do I got to do five good deeds for every bad one deed? I mean, how good is good enough? If our good deeds get us to heaven, how good is good enough? But he was a good person. Says who? A lot of people we think are good. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. So according to the Bible, none of us are good. The Bible says for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So how good is good enough? He doesn't say it's by our good deeds. <laughs> he said you simply got to believe. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you're going to do. Because once you, you believe and you have your life transformed, trust me, your deeds are going to change. You're not going to stay the same. It doesn't matter how many times you've sinned. It's putting your belief in God. You're made right with God. Because Jesus was perfect. Because Jesus took the penalty. Because Jesus paid the price for our sins. That's good news today. You can't do anything about it. That's good. You can't fix it. That's good. You can't earn it. That's good. You can't buy your way in. That's good. It's not what we did or what we do. It's what he did on the cross for us. <laughs> I'm done right here. That is the difference between religion and relationship. Don't ever compare Christianity to other religions. And maybe Christianity, what we've made it is a religion. But being a Christ follower is about a relationship. Our God so loved us that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him black, white, rich, poor, gay, straight Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist Republican, Democrat anybody whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life that's a personal God Wanting a personal relationship. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a revolutionary love. It goes against the norm. It goes against what everyone else does. He came to show unconditional love because he loves us. You don't obey get into heaven, you obey because you realize God loves you so much. When you realize how much your spouse truly loves you, 
it changes what you want to do for them. When you realize how much God loves you, you want to live in a way that honors God. Here's where I stand today. He's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's the Lord. There's no other option. And I just want you to consider Jesus. If there is a God who claims to be the Son of God, and he's the only way through the Father, and he predicts his resurrection and rises again, I'm going with that God. Count me in. You just beat death, I'm in. I'm going to go with the guy who became like me, yet he didn't fall to all the sin that I fall to. I'm going to go with the God who the heart of God sends his son not for the healthy, but for the sick. Not for the righteous, but for the sinners. And we simply have to believe on April Fool's Day, that's the genius of Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You must believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the way, the truth, the life. Go back and consider it. His ministry proves it. The resurrection proves it. His eternal message. He came for us. You know what I love about this place? I just believe this is what heaven's going to look like. I, I, I love this. I, I'm not trying to be mean to you. Some of y'all tried to dress up today, bless your hearts, and it was cute. <laughs> and it's obvious you don't ever dress up. I get it. This is dressed up to me, I understand. Got a big hole back here in my pants. I had to wear a longer shirt and make sure it was covered up. And when James and they're trying to see my underwear. Radio grocery store. Messed up people who don't have it all together. That's who Jesus died for. He died for us. So the question is today, who is he in your life? Liar? Lunatic or Lord? Just consider Jesus. Things that are different are not the same. The Bible says life is but a vapor. You're not promised tomorrow. When you take your last breath here, you're going to stand before God. And ask why he should let you in. You're not going to get to list your good works. The only answer that's going to get you in is because of the work you did, God, on the cross for me. Because I believed you were who you said you were. If you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you should do that today. You should enter into a stage in your life where you say, God, I believe you are who you say you are. You're not a liar, not a lunatic. You're the Lord. <laughs> 